0: Preparing for a sermon, (laughs) I struggled so much on a message to prepare. it. I mean, this was a message I started originally, my studies, back in November. And uh, as I was doing this, I've entitled this uh, message, Purging the Shame. A little illustration for you. We'll be in Genesis chapter 2 as our opening uh, passage of Scripture. Genesis chapter 2. And uh, just kind of continuing our study there in the biblical foundations Ambrose Bierce, uh, speak when you are angry and you will make the best speak you will ever regret. Whatever is begun in anger ends in shame, Benjamin Franklin. A Chinese proverb said, if you are patient in one moment of anger, you will escape a hundred days of sorrow. The stigma of our past and the weight of our sins for so many is a source of extreme shame and regret. Sometimes a shame is embraced through no fault of our own. But by association with particular parents or a group of people, we feel shame. Sometimes in our shame, we will go so far as to reject Christ, looking at our lives as so undeserving the gracious favor of God that we believe that God will not want us. Shame is a powerful emotion, and one which is intended to draw us closer to Christ. What is a definition of shame? Shame is a painful sensation, as uh, Dictionary Webster's Dictionary discusses, a painful sensation excited by a consciousness of guilt or having done something which injures reputation, or by of that which nature or modesty prompts us to conceal. Shame. "...is particularly excited by the disclosure of actions which, in the view of men, are mean and degrading. Hence it is often or always manifested by a downcast look or by blushes called confusion of face." End quotes. Our shame over actions we've done or perceived actions we've done and being unfavorable to others, it breaks relations, it tears apart relationships, and it tears apart trust between people. The shame for reproachful actions is something that eats at the core of our being, or our soul of our heart. I want you to look with me here at Genesis chapter 2: 23, verses 23 uh, chapter two, excuse me, Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. But Adam and Adam said, "This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man." Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Look with me, verse 6 of chapter 3. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. The eyes of them both were open. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. We have just learned, verse 25, they were in a position of purity and no shame. Sin comes, there comes shame. There's sometimes in our lives a shame or regret comes upon us because uh, of a violation of someone else upon us. Someone else violates me in some fashion and it creates shame. By no fault of our own. Sometimes it can be we grew up poor, so there's a shame for that. Sometimes we can grow up, uh, the shame can come because we've been uh, abused by authority. Shame will keep one at an arm's length distance. Many may say, if this person gets to really know me as I know me and what I've done, they won't like me. Some can say, oh, I can never do that job because I'm just too poor. Some can say in the shame, people won't accept me any longer. Shame is an incredibly powerful emotion. It can sometimes bring us to the point of crippling solitude where you want to run away all by yourself. You feel in your mind you've done something so horrible that no one's ever going to want you. Ever been there? Within churches, many times there's a perceived holiness and purity amongst those who attend. Church can be quite fearful. Especially for those whose lives may have been checkered with regretful actions, I'm not good enough to go to church. I want to tell you something. None of us are good to go. No, good enough to go to church. None of us are. In Second Corinthians chapter ten verse twelve, this will most likely will be a two part message. But Second Corinthians chapter ten verse twelve. As I thought about that shame of Adam and Eve, that began to really get my thoughts. And so I went through the Old Testament, and as far as I can tell, looked at every uh, word that dealt with shame in the Hebrew, and I po- uh, printed out all the English versions of that word, and, and I looked at it and tried to find principles and thoughts from that, and, and uh, Lord willing, uh, be able to continue that next week. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. 2 Corinthians 10:12 for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not was the word wise so i look at you you look at me you might say you know he's the pastor woo or he's the pastor <laughs> whatever the case and we all get this mindset the shame of our lives and we look at others i couldn't talk to that person because if they knew me as i know me huh god says stop the comparing yourselves amongst yourselves it's not wise shame comes with an offense but we've all offended god first john 2:16 for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world in our shame, we could say, well, how could this happen to me? Why do I have to be the one? You know, for instance, if someone was uh, abused as a child in various ways, why, how dare they do this to me? Why was I chosen to be picked on? There's all sorts of questions that come in our mind, and we feel a sense of shame, and we don't know where to go with that. We don't know how to deal with shame. How, why was I the one that had to, you know, also, I mean, again, I'm just trying to get some thoughts that maybe you can resemble Or resonate with? Now the question this morning is not a philosophical self-help. It's a lesson on the beginnings of shame, the power of shame, and the defeat of shame. And as we study the Old Testament and the New Testament, may we not let our past define us. Your past and what you've done in the past is not an indicator of what you will be. Because by the grace of God, I want to make this very clear. By the grace of God, none of us will go to where we should go. If, we, if, you're, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, none of us will get what we truly deserve. None of us. So as we study shame, don't let your past define who you are. But may you let the author God write your grace story as you obediently follow him. Shame doesn't have to write your life story if you follow Christ. Don't let sin increase your shame. Let Christ erase the shame for the bright hope of tomorrow. Adam and Eve, they ate the fruit and shame came. Shame came. But just because we're on a wrong trajectory, just because we've been on the wrong path, doesn't mean I need to stay on that path. Proverbs 15, 24 tells us, the way of life is above to the wise that he may depart from hell beneath. May we overlook the lies of shame to embrace the purity of God's forgiving and purifying grace. You're not all that God wants. To, where you're at now, God's not done with you. So often, as we look at the Adam and Eve story and all throughout the scriptures and we look at church, well, I, you know, I, I was talking to someone this week and they, they said, well, you had a better upbringing. You had this. You had this. You know, it has nothing to do with our, I mean, our upbringing does have some factors in, in some of the struggles we all have to work through but my upbringing doesn't determine my outcome in life. Adam and Eve, they ate the fruit, they had a perfect father, they had a perfect relationship, in a perfect environment, and they still messed it up. I want to look at the origins of shame. But in their shame, as they tried to cover themselves up, their nakedness... Shame tells us there's something wrong. God pursued Adam and Eve in their shame. And you know what? I'm so thankful that God pursues us in our shame. Because I'm not where I should be. When you think about this in verses 24 and 25 of Genesis chapter 2. I mean, I I struggled so much. I had... 37-something pages of notes, 30-something pages of notes of, of scriptures. And I said, how do I draw all this together and put it together? And Lord, I don't know what to do. And I said, Lord, I, I, was, I was Friday. I was coming to Friday. Normally I'm done with my Sunday morning by then. And I said, Lord, I, uh, I'm struggling this week. How do I put this message together? And the definition of shame, disappointed, disconcerted, life. Shame is essentially life didn't go the way you wanted it to go. Whether someone caused it, uh, someone acted upon you in a way that you didn't like, or you've made wrong decisions that have put shame on your life. And so sometimes in our shame, we'll continue in the path of shame, thinking, that's well, that's all I can do. Which you're going to notice with me, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. will be quite a few... Verses, shame. Isn't the word of God amazing? Shame is an emotion we've all felt. Every one of us has felt shame at one point in time for some actions that we've done or others have done against us. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, when pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowliest wisdom. What happened with Adam and Eve? They thought that they could be as gods, pride, and what happened? Shame. Let's look at Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride shall bring him low. Right? You can think of that as a low countenance. Discouragement. Shame. But honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. In Daniel chapter 5, verse nine, uh, 20, but when his heart was lifted up, this is Nebuchadnezzar, and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Again, pride brought shame. 1 Timothy 3, 6, not a novice, talking about the prerequisites to being a pastor, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Again, shame. I want you to note with me here, a little commentary on this. Note that man and woman were naked, yet they were not embarrassed or ashamed. Why? Because they had nothing about which to be ashamed. They were perfect beings, completely innocent. They had done nothing wrong. They sensed no guilt or shame whatsoever. They belonged to one another. Their bodies belonged to the other, and together they belonged to God. They stood before God and before each other in perfection, perfectly innocent, and free of any sense of shame, guilt, wrong, or failure. They were perfect in a perfect world, being everything they should be to each other and to God." There was no sin, guilt, or shame, nothing whatsoever to hide from each other nor from man, end quotes. So in the origins between Adam and Eve, which God officiated, God designed, right, man and woman for marriage, was there any shame in the beginning? You would say, no, right? What was the relationship built on? It was built on an exclusive relationship between a man And no woman who have separated from their parents to form a new family. Now, you say, well, Adam and Eve didn't have parents. You're correct. They had God. right? But it was an exclusive relationship. It is the genesis for the institution of the family. There was a bond created in cleaving marital intimacy that is inseparable. It is pure and uncorrupted. And so many people, we long to be pure. And yet we believe the lie of the world. Well, my past, my actions, I'm just tarnished goods. I'm no good. I could never be pure. I'm just damaged goods. God couldn't do much with me. Has anyone ever thought that? I'm not asking for a response. I'm just wanting, in your mind, have you ever thought that? I could never be pure. You know, in our desires, we want to be a pure vessel. I don't want to be filled with shame or regret of the past. I don't want to be filled with the regret of past hurtful actions. In Proverbs twenty-five, four, take away the dross—that's the impurities—from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. I want you to know from Scripture: God says, "Listen, you can be pure. I don't care what you've done in your past." you can be pure. That's something the world can't give you. The world will try to reform you, try to give you some psychiatric drugs or something else, but it can't produce the purity that only Christ can internally. I'd like you to look with me at 1 Thessalonians, verse 3. You have longed for sweet peace, as we sang that <laughs> song. There was a purity when I accepted Jesus Christ, April 30th, 1986, a few years ago. There was a purity in my life as I began to make things right with God in my life back in 2007. I was going through a lot, made some dumb decisions, and uh, I remember a time of just falling on my face before God. I said, God, I just want to be pure. I'm tired of being tarnished goods. And my friend, this is amazing what God can do. You can be pure. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what journey you're on now. You have the opportunity to be pure. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, And the Lord make you to increase and bound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end he may establish your hearts, what's it say, unblameable, pure, in holiness. Before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints, he says, listen, I can make you unblameable. There can be nothing for blame. He does the work of purification. You want to know something about shame? Number one, shame is God denying for others pleasing. One, this idea of shame is to experience a painful feeling or sense of loss of status because of some particular event or activity. I want you to look with me at Jeremiah 17. Where, why do we have shame? Why is there shame in our lives? Jeremiah 17. Now again, I want you to understand, I'm not, I understand that sometimes shame comes because of sinful actions of others towards me. Sometimes shame comes because I've made bad decisions. Okay? So it's always a result of sin. Others towards me or my own actions. Okay, But it's always a result of sin, the shame thing. Jeremiah 17, verse 12. A glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed. And they that depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Now, in our shame... What do we do? Many times, we forsake God. A tragedy happens in our life. Something happens outside of what we believe we ought to deserve. And so in our offense, I'm done with God. I'm done with Christianity. I'm done with all of this. I'm done with the hypocrites. We'll talk about that tonight. The hypocrisy. Look with me at Romans 6, 19. Romans 6, 19. Shame can bring death, as it did in Adam and Eve. Romans 6, 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. So here's some bodily, right, they're struggling. For as you have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness, and to iniquity and to iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness and to holiness. So, in the past, you may have done things you uh, of of that were unrighteous, that were not pure before God. But it says, "Now yield your body unto that which is pleasing to God, righteousness, right, pleasing to God unto holiness, purity." For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. When you were a servant of sin, you were a slave. You went down a journey that only brought greater confusion and pain and bondage and slavery. It did not bring the peace and the joy that God promises. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. There was a person some time ago my wife and I had been talking to, and we said a particular course, we said, please do not do this course of action. They ended up doing that course of action, and they ended up reaching out to us uh, early on this week, and they said, I think I've made a mistake. And, uh, you know, in our minds, when you go down a course which is in opposition of what God wants, it will only come a matter of time before true shame sets in. And maybe you've done that. And I want to applaud you for, number one, being here this morning. But now being made free from sin and become the servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness, purity, and the end everlasting life. Sometimes in our shame we said, I could never go back to that church. I could never do this again because my life has been a shame. And, and I'm not happy with what I've done. But God says, The end of everlasting life, or the wages of sin is death. Shame brings death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. An innocent child may blush at the evil words or perverse words they hear, showing their innocence. But the shame I'm discussing is a guilt and remorse over some wrong actions or wrong actions you've done or others have done against you. A miller and his son were driving their donkey to a neighbor fair, to a neighboring fair to sell him. They had not gone far when they met a group of women collected round a well, talking and laughing. Look there, cried one of them. Did you ever see such fellows to be trudging along the road on foot when they might ride? The old man, hearing this, quickly made his son mount the donkey and continued to walk along merrily by his side. Presently they came up to a group of old men in earnest debate. There, said one of the, them, it proves what I was saying. What respect is shown to old age in these days? Do you see that idle lad riding while his old father has to walk? Get down, you young scapegrace, and let the old man rest his weary wi- limbs. Upon this, the father made his son dismount and got up upon the donkey himself. In this manner they had not proceeded far when they met a company of women and children. Why, you lazy old fellow, cried several tongues at once, how can you ride upon the beast while that poor little lad there can hardly keep pace by the side of you? The good-natured miller immediately took up his son behind him. They had almost reached the town when a man said, Pray on his friend, is that donkey your own? Yes, replied the old man. Oh, one would not have thought so, said the other. By the way, you load him, why You two fellows are better able to carry the poor beast than he, you. Anything to please you, said the old man. We can but try. So alighting with his son, they tied the legs of the donkey together and with the help of a pole endeavored to carry him on their shoulders over a bridge near the entrance to the town. This entertaining sight, and it would be quite entertaining to see a father and a son carrying a donkey on their shoulders. Brought the people in the crowds to laugh at it, till the donkey, not liking the noise nor the strange handling that he was subject to, broke the cords that bound him, tumbled off the pole and the pole, and fell into the river. Upon this the old man, vexed and ashamed, made the best of his way home again, convinced that by endeavoring to please everybody he had pleased nobody and lost his donkey in the bargain. End quotes. Kind of a silly thing. And kind of a silly little illustration, but you know what, so often in lives I'm trying to please this group, and I'm trying to please this group, and I'm trying to please this group. And man, I'm mean, i just like riding down, the. I'm trying to ride the fence. Please this, and please this, and please this, in the same silly way. I mean, it's like the old man getting on the donkey, getting off the donkey. His son getting on the donkey, getting off the donkey. Pulling up the donkey, dropping the donkey. I mean, we try to please people. Adam and Eve tried to, Adam tried to please Eve. Uh, Eve, you know, tried to be pleasing to the serpent. And in the end, it brought shame. Look with me at Romans chapter 10, verse 11, if you're still there in Romans. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. A settled faith in Christ, it lays to rest shame. Adam and Eve would take the skins of that animal that God would kill for the forgiveness of their sins, and they would put it on to put to rest the shame of the wrong actions that they had done. The problem is, in so many of our lives, you are a believer, but you haven't settled where your rest comes from. You haven't settled the fact that Christ is the answer for life. Mark 8, 38, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I want you to understand someday, we are either ashamed of Christ, we're ashamed of being a Christian, we're ashamed of those who are Christians, we are ashamed of them, but there will come a day, guaranteed, That God's going to be ashamed of us. That's a humbling thought. That's a sobering thought. Hebrews two eleven. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Jesus Christ is not ashamed to call me a brother. Christ, God is not ashamed to have me as His child. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, a portion of Hebrews 11, 16. For he hath prepared for them a city. Understand this, God says, you're my child. I, I adopted him. I bought her. You know what her life was? Without me, it was kind of a mess. But I bought her. She's my child. I've adopted her. Oh, wow. I love her. I love him. The second thing we see about shame is that shame is truth-rejecting. Shame rejects truth. Adam and Eve, as they hid from God, God is truth, right? In Him is no darkness at all. God is truth. The gospel of Christ, Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also the Greek. The gospel of Christ, the redemption from sin, shame many times when a, when a person says, I can't go to church because I've done this. I'm so ashamed of my actions i am done. I'm comparing myself to someone else. But if we compare ourselves to Christ, we're all in shame. We've all done wrong. So what I'm doing is I'm looking at someone who is not truth. I'm not truth. You're not truth. And I'm rejecting truth. To look at my shame. This idea of shame here is uh, denoting fear of embarrassment. In 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul was not ashamed to suffer so that others could get the truth. Onesiphorus was not ashamed to be associated with Paul. He wasn't ashamed of Paul's chains. Another thing we find about shame as a result of sin, that shame brings death, as we looked at in Romans 6. I want you to look with me in Psalm 51.5. Shame is an incredibly powerful emotion. It is. So often we're all so busy trying to hide what we've done so that no one knows who we are. So they think higher of us than what we should be. And I'm so worried about trying to make other people think I'm good. I'm like this some good Christian. <laughs> but in reality, at the foot of that cross, we're all guilty. You know what God says, I'll lift you up if you put yourself humble. Humble. In Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Every one of us are born a rotten sinner. Every one of us are born sinners. Every one of us are born selfish. Shame was not in existence prior to Adam and Eve's fall. Shame is a consequence of sin, and it weighs upon our conscience very heavily. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Let me give you an illustration. If someone begins lust, someone begins to look at pornography, They begin to go down the path of pornography. They begin to engage in actions that are unlawful, that are unbiblical. It will bring shame. It will bring guilt. It will bring things in their lives that they don't want. It will bring death. It will not bring... I mean, sure, there might be sin is pleasurable for a season. The Bible tells us wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Our world is seemingly becoming much more quote-unquote progressive. How is the mental health of our world becoming? Better or worse? Uh, (laughs) I think if you're honest, you would say it's becoming much worse. Sin is abounding. Sin is abounding. With sin abounding comes greater shame and regret. And then man tries to hide over that with all sorts of things. Look with me at 1 Kings chapter 9. Pain with leaving God. There will be pain if you leave God. I guarantee it. You might say, Oh, Pastor Chris, you're all crazy. I know what I'm doing. Pastor Chris, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Try going down a path, your own path. I guarantee it. Within 10 or less, 10 years or less, you're going to have a lifestyle and you're going to think, I don't know how I got here and I don't like it. 1 Kings 9, verse 6. But if ye shall at all turn from following me, ye or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them. And This house, which I have hallowed for my name, the temple, will I cast out of my sight, and Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all the people. How many people do you know that have been in church? They began to go after their lusts, and years down the road, their life is a mess. Even preachers. Preachers that begin to go off on how important they are, and God says, okay, I'm going to humble you. You're going to know shame, but I'm going to show you that I'm God. You become a byword. You become a has-been. Verse eight. And at this house, which is high, everyone that passes by it shall be astonished and shall hiss, and they shall say, Why hath the Lord done thus into this land and to this house? You will know pain if you leave God for your own ways. You will continually be searching for something else to satisfy, searching for something else to produce an inward joy that you can't get apart from Christ. But I want to tell you here, here's the good news. Purity defeats shame. Genesis 2.25, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Purity defeats shame. Matthew 5.8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Going back to Psalm 51, I need to finish this point. before I want to end this on a good note. I'll have to continue this next week, but Psalm 51. I'm actually close to being done, anyways, but purity allows unrestricted access and the view of God. Psalm 51, verses 2 and 4 through 4. Psalm 51 is David has murdered Uriah and had relations, had adulterous relations with Bathsheba. She's pregnant. You want to talk about shame? He hid from the prophet for a year, tried to cover it up. How many of us in our shame sometimes we try to cover up our tracks? We don't want anyone to know what we've done. Psalm 51, verse 2, Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before thee. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned. And done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Wash me thoroughly. Verse 7, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. What is that? That's purity. My friend, don't stay in the shame of your life the truth is if i want joy and the gladness after the harmful effects of being of defilement whether from others or my own actions i got to say lord i want to be pure lord i want to be pure Verse 6, it is truth that reveals the cause of shame. Wisdom guides us on how to deal with shame. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. God saying, listen, if I give you wisdom, you will know how to be pure. It is the digestion of truth and the application of truth that produces the cleansing. Now, the purity is not something that you can conjure up or create in your own. Look with me at verses 10 through 12. So many, I'm trying to go through this person, you know, self-help 10, 12 steps, self-help 10 steps, self-help, eight steps, New Year's resolution, guru so-and-so, professional so-and-so. I want purity, I want joy, I want rest. And I man, I'm just running and grabbing for all these fruits and I think they're going to do something for me, man, I'm just like, woo! I'm on the right path. I'm, wow, this is a new way. I'm curious. This is going to produce the joy in my life that I've been searching for. When I get the fruit of what I think it is, it's not what it's uh, advertised to be. In the world, you're going to be searching and searching and searching and searching. You're going to grab for a whole bunch of things, and it will never produce the fruit that you can come in knowing Jesus Christ. In Psalm 51, verse 10, David, who's broken over his adulterous affair, his murder of Uriah. I mean, you want to talk about shame. I just, I mean, he's just saying, I just destroyed a family. It would also be, if you know the scriptures, that uh, there was a counselor that David had that was related to Uriah and Bathsheba, and he would end up turning on David, creating great problems for David down the road. I mean, you want to talk about Shame. David here says, create in me a clean heart, O God. That word create is the word bara. It's the same word in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created. If you want a pure heart, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, God. I'm shameful, but please don't cast me away. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. The first thing you need to do, if you don't know the... If you don't know the purity and the holiness of God, you don't know the joy, you've got to understand salvation that God came to bring you unto Himself. You don't need to live in the shame. You don't need to live in the pain of the past. You, first of all, I need to understand that my sins put Christ on that cross. My sins deserve hell. And in faith in Jesus Christ, in Him alone, I ask Him to please be my Savior. Please forgive me. There's a joy of salvation. When I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, Savior, April 30th 1986 I came out of that room off my knees and man it was like the weight of sin was off of me it was freedom but you know what as I began to live my Christian life weight of sin just I said God I want to be pure David said Lord created me a clean heart your shame in life and feeling of dirtiness come from the defilement of sin in Psalm 51, 16, the answer is not do this. The answer is not just pray. The answer is not just read your Bible. The answer is not just go to church. That won't do diddly squat for you. Because you're not letting God create. You're not getting to the source of living waters. Look at me, verse 16. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. You know what? I grew up in a church, going to church. I was told, read your Bible, pray, memorize Scripture, go to church, tell people about Jesus, and you'll be happy. You know what? It didn't produce any of that. It didn't produce happiness. I thought this whole Christian thing is be as miserable as you can for as long as you can, hold on for as long as you can, and hopefully, when I get to heaven someday, it's going to be it's going to be happy. This whole Christian thing, man, it's miserable. It was miserable. Wasn't until I realized that God in heaven cared for me on my personal, my own personal cares, and I cried out to Him, "Lord, cleanse my heart. Rework that. I need God. I need a new heart. Create means from nothing." Verse seventeen. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, oh God thou wilt not despise. God saying, Chris, I want you to be broken. It was there in 2007. Latter portion of 2007, I remember in my apartment, I was there in the military, was wrestling with God to get out of the military, to go into ministry, to train, and And uh, I just broke down one night. I remember in my apartment, I was just weeping. I was on my face before God. And I said, God, I can't do anything. I need you to do something, Lord. But if we want to get out of shame, we must be willing to follow the solution that God has created. And to Adam also and his wife did the Lord make coats of skin and clothe them. If they wanted to get off from just trying to cover up with their own fig leaves, cover up with your own way of doing life, you've got to do it God's way. We must follow the truth of God's cleansing. Verse 10, as I said, Create me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. God, hold me up. Then will I teach transgressors thy way, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Lord, it's not until I learn what it's like to have a created heart brand new that I can begin to affect others in a positive way. The defilement of our lusts, man, does it ever muddy up our lives. But look with me, verse 19. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with the burnt offering and whole burnt offerings. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. And our desire is that you may be blameless and harmless the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Philippians 2.15. In conclusion, life is difficult. It's filled with many choices. The choices you make in this life, they will either bring joy or they will bring sorrow. The decision Adam and Eve made brought regret, a life filled with pain, a pain that was foreign to them. Shame as a byproduct of sin is to drive us to the purifying and cleansing hands of God. Now, I understand not all shame is your fault. Some, you might have been others abusing you, but we need to take the wrong actions of others and continue to, we need not take the wrong actions of others and continue to create more shame for ourselves, but denying the Lord who can create in me a clean heart. Even if you have been abused by others before God, you're still pure. You're still pure. You can still be holy. The defilement of sin of others does not determine your purity before God. It's your personal decision that defines your purity. God is the solution. Please don't take your shame. Deny taking your shame to the only one who will purify your minds. 2 Corinthians 4.16 For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Our world is a friend to shame and destruction. Romans 12.2 And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The new man is renewed as I learn from Christ. Look with me at Colossians 3 and I'm done. Colossians 3, 9. I want to tell you this morning, there's hope. There is hope in Jesus. There is hope of being pure again. But you've got to decide in your mind, I'm done trying to seek the wisdom of this world. I'm done trying to seek this world's solutions to a problem they can't fix. Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. God said, you know, that that right there says, it's all encompassing. I don't care what culture you come from. You can be renewed. You can be pure. That's amazing. As we come to the time of invitation this this morning, I want you to ask yourself, is this the way a Christian should live and act? If you have shame and regret in your life, please don't continue in it. I'd like Mrs. Pat to come forward, if I could, for invitation, please. I want you to ask, if you're living in shame, regret, of things you've done in the past, please don't stay there. Don't stay there. We ought to do like what David did. God, I want to be pure. God says, okay, now I can do something with you so valuable Adam and Eve had shame but God didn't let them stay in their shame he pursued them take this clothes and put it on you I will forgive that shame and my friend this world only produces shame and regret But when I get to know the sweetness of fellowship with my Savior it won't produce shame It produces purity. That's what we all desire. I want to be pure. And you can have purity as you learn to walk in the wisdom and guidance of the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm not talking, have you been baptized? I'm not talking, have you been catechized? I'm not talking, have you done good works? I'm not talking about any of that. Has there ever been a time in your life you put your faith only in Jesus Christ? Only in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of all your sins. Only by faith. and You say, yes, pastor, I did that. Maybe in your life there's some things you've regretted. How about this morning you just say, Lord, forgive me for living in my shame. Help me to know wisdom. Help me to know purity. As the music plays, I trust that you do business with God. My friend, you are precious in the eyes of a loving shepherd loving shepherd that would go to the cross to redeem you unto himself. David killed a man, had an adulterous affair, and yet God would allow a clean heart. So to you, so you too can have a clean heart. But you must ask, you must be willing to follow the wisdom and guidance of God. Don't let this world show you they think is the answer Jesus is the answer this morning if you've never accepted Christ I trust you You would just ask Jesus to please forgive me don't let shame keep you from heaven don't let shame keep you from the the joy of your salvation if you do not know Jesus Christ please call out to him now ask him to forgive you be your savior Christian created me a clean heart make me to know the joy of thy salvation we can be pure as we walk in the holiness of Christ. When you're done praying, if you'd like to, if anything's come to your mind after the service today, I'd be more than willing to meet with you. If you need to know Jesus Christ, you say, Pastor, I'm not saved. I think I am, but I'm not sure. I'd love to show you from the Bible how you can know for sure. Christian, don't live in shame. Don't live in regret. Live in the joy of His salvation. It's a moment longer as people are praying. This song will come to a close here shortly. Let us all know, you can be pure. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We sure do thank you for an amazing grace. Father, I want to thank You for the forgiveness of sins that, Lord, we can all be pure. Every one of us. As we walk in the wisdom, and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can know the joy of our salvation. Lord, I want to thank You for the challenges for this message. I want to thank You for each and every person that's here today. Lord, I pray that the message from Your Word touched hearts. Help give answers for life. And Lord, refresh spirits, as only you can do. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us, Father, as we came before you, if we made any promises, Lord, help us to continue. Help us to fulfill the promises we made. Father, if there's any that do not know you, Lord, I pray that their hearts would not be settled until they come to know you. Lord, I yield all of this to you in your precious name I pray. Amen. God bless you.